Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel lesson read earlier, the conversation especially between Thomas and Philip and our Lord. Well, there was a volunteer at summer camp who led the campers out into the woods during a certain time to kind of talk to them about nature and to tell them about the purpose of the birds and some of the small animals, the purpose of the insects and the purpose of the plants and all those things. And he would always end it by, by allowing the children to ask any question they had. And so one day, one little boy raised up his hand and said, okay, why did God, what purpose did God have in making poison ivy? And the guy was a little bit stumped and paused for a moment and then he said, you know, Maybe it's God's way of teaching that sometimes we have to just keep our busy hands off things. <laughs> the volunteer had been stumped for a moment, right? He'd been challenged by a question. And anyone who leads a guide or teaches a class has come across that, that questions can be challenging. But challenged questions are also important. Questions are important in our understanding of, of any knowledge, but especially in our knowledge of the Lord. And that's, we think about our confirmation in the second hour, where we are reminded of this and even our confirmation instruction. What is a catechism book but an instruction book with questions and answers? That, that, that again, that's how we learn, by asking and by listening. And it really follows what our Lord did, right? How many times throughout the scriptures do we have our Lord asking questions or being asked? And that's what we have in our gospel lesson today. Thomas is asking a question. We're going to listen to Thomas's question and Philip's follow-up, but even more, we're going to listen to the Lord's answer and see that the Lord speaks about him and what he has come to do. But again, as we approach the text, we're told that Jesus is speaking to those who have troubled hearts. And it makes sense. The occasion for this is Monday, Thursday. This is the night in which Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's going to be handed over and put on trial. Jesus has started the evening washing the feet of the disciples as they celebrate the Passover. Then he announces that, that well, one of them is going to betray him. Peter's going to deny him, and they're all going to scatter. Is there any wonder that the hearts of the disciples are troubled? And then Jesus announces to them that he's going to prepare a place for them. It really is meant to bring comfort, but it doesn't for Thomas. Thomas pipes up and says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And so we see in Thomas a question that comes from a troubled heart. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand how things are fitting together, and it's not how it's supposed to be in his mind. His heart is troubled. And so he goes to the Lord with a question. This morning I'd like to ask you, is your heart ever troubled? Is your heart troubled, maybe at times overwhelmed because of your schedule, trying to put everything together and to understand? Is your heart troubled by what you see? Uh, again, in the news last night, we heard of another shooting down in Texas. How can our hearts not be troubled by what we see, the evil, the violence that exists within this world? But it also hits closer to home, too, does it not? Are you not troubled at times as you look at your family and your friends and you're concerned about what's going on in their lives? Are you not troubled at times, even with yourself, the things that you say, the things that you do? Do you ever sit back and wonder why I said it, why I did it? Our hearts are indeed troubled. And, and so like Thomas, we need to listen to the Lord. 
Because the Lord has an answer for Thomas. Thomas has given the answer to his question and to his troubled heart, and the answer is Christ. This is what the Lord's been trying to say. Even as the text begins, we are told that, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. The answer for the troubled heart of the disciples is Christ and what he was coming to do. And so when Thomas asks the question, Jesus responds, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's about me. The answer is found in me, the Lord keeps saying. The answer is found in our Lord because he is the one going to prepare a place. This preparation that he speaks of, his, his arrest, his, his trial, his suffering, his death, his resurrection from the grave, this is how he's going to prepare a place so that they can be with him, and that he can be with them. That is his heart's desire. Jesus is speaking about a preparation of salvation and eternity. He is the antidote to sin which troubles the heart. And that's why we are to see Jesus as the answer. What is it that troubles your hearts? It's sin, right? The evil, the violence we see in the world is tied back to sin and the disorder that sin has brought to this world. The, the, our own struggles with what we do and what we say is, is tied to our own sin. And the receiving end of other sin, what they do and what they say, is again tied to sin. And the answer is Christ who died for that sin, overcame that sin, overcame death and illness and evil and all the rest. And in him and in him alone, we have forgiveness, we have life, and we have salvation. He is the answer. But as the text continues, Philip now wants to follow up. He says, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. That's quite a statement, isn't it? It's enough for us. It seems rather presumptuous to me, right? That, that Peter thinks that he knows what he needs. He's got it all figured out. He's put everything together. But has he? But, but isn't this the danger for any child of God? Any student of Christ and of the scriptures, there's a danger that at one point we might think we've got it all figured out. We have it all together. Isn't that one of the dangers of Confirmation Day? that we might begin to think of it as a graduation, that, that I've learned all that I need to know, and so I'm pretty well set. But as a child of God, do we ever understand it all? Are we ever able to grasp all that God teaches us and all that he says about his love? We're never able to do that. And Jesus' answer clearly implies that. It's interesting, as, as Jesus speaks, he, he, he says very clearly that all Philip needs and all the rest need is Christ. He says, if you have seen the Father, you have seen, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. It's about me. But as he continues to talk about his relationship with the Father and about prayer, begin to understand that while Christ is all that we need, we never fully understand everything about Christ. We're never able to put it all together. And our desire is forever to learn. When we hear Jesus talk about that, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you not believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father? Does that not remind us of our need to know more about God? That the more we know about him, the more we realize how little we know about him. And it keeps drawing us back. That's, that's highlighted in the epistle lesson when it talks about that, that we want to be like infants craving the spirit, pure spiritual milk. That if we tasted that God is good, the idea that Peter is getting across is once you realize what the Lord has to offer, you want more. And that's what brings us back. 
to hear more and more about our Lord, the relationship, the inner workings of the Trinity. But also we want more to hear the promises of God. Promises that he state that at beginning puzzle us like he does today. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do. How can we do greater works than Christ? At first blush, this doesn't make any sense at all until we start to put it in the context of Scripture and we're reminded, what is the greatest work in God's eyes? It's people coming to salvation. It's like when the disciples were sent out and they came back to Jesus and they were marveled at the miracles they'd done, that they had driven out demons and Jesus says, don't rejoice over that, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. That's what the Lord truly rejoices over. The greatest work is the work of salvation and of repentance. And as you live out your life of faith, as you love your neighbor, as you share the word of Christ, and you strengthen others in faith and strengthen your own faith, and maybe even bring others to Christ, that's the greatest work of all. And that's what God's doing through you. And as you go out to do this, the Lord makes a promise that you don't do it alone, that the Lord is with you. And in fact, he invites you to speak about it, to speak about every aspect of your life with a promise that whatever you ask, the Lord will give you. That, that we're invited to, into a dialogue with God, that we can ask our questions, put forward our frustrations, express our feelings, and know that God, in a loving way, listens and in a loving way, answers. He responds. He loves to hear and he loves to answer and that we have a life now with a God who loves us, who prepared eternity for us and while we await that, that appearance with him in eternity, he is there with us, listening to us, guiding us, watching over us and protecting us. Indeed, as we think about it, questions are important. And important because they demonstrate that we're listening, right? You can't really ask a question unless you've been listening to what's been stated. You don't ask a question unless you want to know more. Our questions to our Lord demonstrate that we're listening, demonstrate our desire to learn more. And we give thanks for questions like Thomas that are an occasion for the Lord to speak to us. The Lord does indeed speak to us. He hears our questions and he answers through his word. May we continue to ask as we look forward to the driving to that place where he has prepared for us eternal life for all of us in heaven forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting. Amen.